Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast with Bob Anderson and Hilary Saxton. Today we are talking how not to get your development application refused. Bob will enlighten us, teach us and tell us a few tricks on how to not get it refused. It's going to be a great episode. Jump on into episode 121. And welcome to episode 121. I'm Hilary Saxton. This is Bob Anderson, if you're watching us on YouTube. And we are talking development applications today, how not to get your refu- uh, refuse, because they do get refused sometimes. Before we start, though, bit of housework, Bob, what's the tip for the day? Well, something that happened to me this week caused a few issues. And what I, my tip is this, get all your emails backed up regularly. Because if you don't, you have a problem. You could lose some. No, yeah, Mm. it can be a bit stressful. I'm trying to find them. (laughs) They are there. We just got to find them somehow. Back them up regularly. Anyway, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. But this is take four. We had a bad start tonight, didn't we? Well, we did. We got a noisy puppy, and I hope she's quiet down there on the floor. Oh, so we actually started take two and take three with the dog on the lap. (laughs) Uh, Then we're like, no, can't have the dog on the lap. But anyway. We started, take whatever this is, take five, and we're on. <laughs> okay, before we get started, we have a copy of Property Millionaires Exposed. Uh, obviously, Bob says, go to page 121. This week, that goes out to Tom King. So, Tom, you are the lucky winner of our book this week. Congratulations. And, Bob, before we get started uh, on our topic of development applications, Yeah. I wanted to do a bit of self-promotion again. You should. You deserve I should. To. This is your podcast. This is my podcast. <laughs> I started this. And it's 121 podcasts later. Um, for those lacking confidence or looking for a fantastic Christmas gift, my book, Three Wines In, it's how to increase your self-confidence today and succeed in all areas of your life without the hangover tomorrow. It is a book that teaches people how to be more confident and property development is a confidence game so it is a great book grab a copy off hillarysaxton.com my website and it is a great christmas present so if you've got somebody in your life here who likes to read it's it's a bit of a bit of a story bit of self-help intertwined with it i think it'll make a great movie and I'm getting yep. very good feedback. So you it, are. Yeah, it's been great, the feedback, the people that are reading it and enjoying it. So it was my first book, and even the editor, when they edited, they thought, yes, it's a winner. So if you are looking for something, a gift for somebody, or maybe you want to increase your confidence, it's your go-to. The other thing I wanted to bring up before we moved into our topic is, yep. so I was just looking through at reviews for podcasts. And yeah, I have a second podcast, which is mine about self-confidence and self-improvement, all those sorts of things. Bounce back better if you're into that. But when I looked and was reading a few people's podcasts, I saw people had written reviews that were quite harsh, not on ours, on other, uh, on some other podcasts. And I thought, what? Mm. So I started reading. And we often talk about the keyboard warrior. Why is it acceptable to say such horrible things to people? And would you do that to somebody's face? And nobody would. So why is it acceptable online? But one comment I read, which I said to Bob, why do people, why do they, why do they think they can say that? They said, why do, about a particular person was promoting their goods and promoting their stuff on their podcast. And I think people forget that this is part of our business as well. Yeah. I mean, do, do you go to work and expect not to get paid? This is part <laughs> of our business. So we are allowed to promote stuff. You are. And it, yeah, we and actually we are. So 
Yeah, that was kind of just something I, I really think that the world needs to understand how business works, eh? They yeah, don't quite get it. Shake your head at people like that. I do. So it was kind of a bugbear. I was like, oh, why would they be so horrible to, to somebody? I mean, personally, I didn't really like the person they were talking about, but they wouldn't be mean to them. No. At all. Anyways, Bob, we are talking development applications. Yeah, so yeah. can we start with you explaining the development application process? Just a quick overview. Well, it's going to vary. It does vary a little bit as you go around the country because it's a council by council thing, and there's also state legislation over top of it all. So, you know, anything I say is going to be fairly general. But uh, quite often, uh, we we need to get a, a development permit, and and so from from the council, the likelihood of getting it successfully approved has, you know, there's things that you need to do and it's not something that you want to rush into. And the process is typically, yeah, it could be something like, let's say duplex, keep it simple, you know, we'd have to uh, get an architect to do up our plans, we get a survey, we get a town planner, town planner puts a report together, it's a pretty simple little bit of engineering, goes to council and they they process the application. It goes through various people at council, you know, the council engineers, the council assessment officer, probably the landscape, you know, different people internally, commentary, make sure it complies with the planning scheme in all respects, the design. And if it does, you get an approval. And uh, that's what we want. Obviously, big projects, much more complex, different, you know, lots of moving parts. It's going to take longer, maybe, you know, a little bit of, uh, well, will it will it get through, will it not get through? But, you know, we, we want it to get through. We, we often go to a lot of trouble to, to find a deal and we want to get an approval. And not only that, we're quite possibly settled on it. Mm. We might own this site. Very important that we get a development permit, mm. development approval. Yeah, so you just switched the words out there and that was just something I wanted to clarify. Development approval, development permit, same, same. Well, pretty much. But different. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, some states use different. A development approval is when you get an approval from council, you get your conditions and so forth. But you do have a period of time generally where you can do a little bit of negotiation, a little bit of discussion about a few of the finer points on that and maybe, you know, get it get it changed. Then it gets approved. Then that, that becomes the permit, the, the plans are then, you know, stamped, approved. So development approval, you know, almost a development permit. So, but, yeah. so how not to get it refused? What are some of the tips that you would uh, think are vital? Yeah, well, look, the first thing to th- say is, is it a fully compliant application? Because a, a compliant application means it ticks every single box as far as the council's concerned in, within the planning scheme. You're not looking for any relaxations. Everything fits perfectly, and that's a fully compliant application. What, that, are, the, what are the chances of, of a fully compliant application being rejected? Not strong, but mm. but can happen, and I've had it happen to me. Why would that happen, Bob, if it's fully compliant? it's Councils are a law un, unto themselves, and sometimes... Sometimes they, they take a view on things uh, that that they don't want or they don't want to happen, and even though it might fit the criteria, doesn't it's not an absolute guarantee. And you know, look, if it's fully compliant, it should be pretty good. Yeah. 
But sometimes you want to just stretch things a little bit. And look, a lot of the applications I've done, uh, whether I've gotten approved, uh, you can a little bit. And so what you need is a, a really good town planner, hmm. a town planner who's experienced, had a lot of uh, a lot of experience with that particular council, knows the people in there, knows the assessment officers, the engineers, the town planners in there. Give yourself the best shot, get the best town planning you can get your hands on as well. And if there are some areas that you want to not fully comply with, then that, that town planner will assess it and have a look at what your likely chances are of getting that through or what sort of an argument that they could put up that would get it over the line. And and look, some councils are a little bit flexible in some areas. Mm. They're not absolutely black and white. And perhaps you can get, uh, you know, some little dispensations through. I remember well. recently we had the council, there was that change on a duplex that we had going on. Uh, it was yeah. one of our mentoring students and he had a problem with setbacks. They changed the laws on setbacks, yeah, wasn't and they, it? and they can too. Yeah. Um, the, well, they, the, they can change a policy inside without changing the planning scheme. So the planning scheme is pretty well locked up. It's a document. and But council might decide that their internal policy is that they're going to go in a particular direction. It might be that they're relaxing on some things, but it might be that they're tightening up on some things mm. as well. And and so they will uh, start on their application process to, you know, even ahead of a change, you know, they might, they might be looking at reviewing a planning scheme in six or 12 months and they've got an idea of what revisions they want to make to that planning scheme. They, they often start bringing them in to their assessments way early. Mm. I don't think they should. I mean, you should be judged on what it is at the time, but we know that that's what they do. Mm. And, and so a good town planner would be tracking not only not only their own applications, but applications from, from other people and seeing which ones are getting approved, which ones might might get knocked back or or what, what things council are asking applicants to do, mm. you know. Is there a little bit of a relaxation in some area? Are they really tightening up on other areas? And so with that knowledge, they'd have a pretty good idea of what to put into your application and, you know, give yourself the best chance of an approval. We had uh, another other people in our community and they got knocked back because there was that actual change, change during yeah. their process and it went from they were having – were they going to have four and they had to be reduced to three? Was that what it was or what was it? They changed that. It was another setback one. Which, Setbacks can happen. I can yeah. remember even in, in Victoria when the, the garden area changed all of a sudden and that, that dropped that, that drop yield. Mm, but these guys ended up going to VCAT because it was down in Victoria. Mm. So they actually fought council. Mm. And what, which you've got to remember if you're doing that, then that's another 18 months to your Well, it can add a lot of time, can, yeah. Is it about how, 18 months in well, Victoria? It, was. A lot of stuff goes to VCAT in Victoria because councils are a bit of a little bit of law unto themselves more than some other states. But anyway, that, I'm not sticking, well, I'm sticking with VCAT, but I don't care. Uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Mm. And so that, yeah, VCAT uh, does get quite a few. Uh, the Land Environment Court, New South Wales Land Environment Court in Queensland, there's always appeals happening in there, mm. um, probably less. It, it's, it does get chalked up a bit but not too much. Mm. But, you know, back to giving yourself the best chance, I think get yourself the best town planner for a start. Um, 
try and conform as much as possible. But if you're going to go for some relaxations, make sure that you've got a pretty strong chance of getting them. That can come out during the process. You know, it's not just a matter of lodging your application and then you hear no more from them and then you either get an approval mm. or you get a knockback. It's not like that because there's quite a bit of back and forth goes on in the process. And council will generally look at your application and then they'll come back with a request for further information. And they'll have a look at things that they don't think fully conform and they'll draw attention to those and, and they'll, they generally ask you to, you know, like to change. Tidy it up a to bit. To tidy up, to change your plans, you know. So, you know, you might have a, a setback relaxation, for instance. You might say, let's say the rear boundary setback, it says you have to have six metres and yours is five metres. And they'll say, oh, you know, your rear boundary relaxation doesn't conform under da-da-da-da-da, you know, please amend your plans. Uh, but then your town planner in conjunction with your architect might go back and say, look, yeah, sure, we know it's, it should be six metres. The reason it's five metres is that the six metre setback is about privacy between, you know, uh, the t- two properties. Uh, the property over the back uh, doesn't have any windows on that side of the house, therefore privacy is not an issue, therefore we believe, you know, it should be relaxed or whatever it is. Mm. I'm making this thing up on yeah. the run. And council have but a look at it. that's a great example, Bob. And they say, well, look, that's reasonable because... Uh, you know, the, the reason it is six metres is for, is for this particular reason. That doesn't, that's not the case in this, so we'll, we'll allow the relaxation, you know. And uh, so that's what you need, the right, the, definitely the, the right town planner and conform as much as possible, but things you think you can improve your design or whatever with that you can get away with, you give it a go. Uh, if they become really hard-nosed about it, you know, during this process, uh, then your planner might just say, look, they're just not relenting on this. You know, I thought we could get away with it, but we can't. We're going to have to mend it. Mm. Uh, we're going to have to make some changes, some design changes or whatever, either add, you know, add, add something or take something away, whatever whatever it is that's required, and and that can happen. And, and then, you know, this sort of back and forth process can go on a little bit, and it can, it can be a bit slow. I mean, some, some councils are slower than others on processing, some states are a bit slower even on processing. You know. Crikey, we just had one go through in two weeks. Then yeah, I don't tell everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, it, I didn't say where it was. No. no. But, Rob, I've, yeah. I've just got a, a question which I wonder if um, it works or what will happen now. We've got this housing shortage. Hmm. We've got a predicted massive growth in housing shortage coming. Yeah. You know, in the hundreds of thousands, um, do you believe that councils will start being a bit more relaxed, or do you think that will not happen? We, we need them to be faster more than we need them to be relaxed. But, yeah. I don't think they're going to get any faster. You don't. So no. you, then, what do you think about a, a lot of the? Well, there's the, look. It's a big subject when you talk about housing and the, the fact that we've been undersupplied of housing, and, it's, and, and more and more so as uh, you know, a lot of overseas migration. You know, it happens to so many people due to coming to Australia and coming in as we speak. So, so housing shortage, housing affordability is a big subject. It could be addressed a lot, and it, it needs to be addressed a lot at both council and state level. Yeah, the process needs to be streamlined a lot, a lot more. Look, legislation's coming over the years supposedly to streamline things, but invariably gets choked up at council level. Mm. Um, I don't know. There's, there's also yeah, I don't know. Okay, let, let, <laughs> it, does, it just gets bogged up in there, and it needs a big shake-up. 
so could we have some examples, Bob, that you've had good and bad experiences, you yourself or students or or people that you, you know, we've worked with or you've worked with? So if we can we go with what's been the best experience you've had, apart from me just saying that two-week one, <laughs> but maybe where you've, you've turned counsel around and it's been an easy process because they saw the application and you were able to get relaxations that you were after. Have, what's a great example you've oh, got that we've had with that? Look, look some, some have flown through fast. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I'm thinking some I've been able to get some relaxations. Like there's a, a four-townhouse project I, I did. Uh, what was that joint venture I did with my son, Luke? We went for four relaxations in that. Uh, one was the front boundary setback. One was the rear boundary setback. Uh, one was the, the gross floor area. Uh, we went over a little bit on that with the amount of, you know, the, the floor area of the buildings. We went a little bit over. And I think we went fractionally under on the landscaping area. Mm. We got all four of those through. What was that, do you think? Well, they weren't big things, but the the town planner had a, had a, a reasonable argument as to why those things should have been accepted mm-hmm. and how he, you know, conformed in and over, over, over conformed, if there's such a word, in, in other areas as well. And, uh, you know, that, that argument got accepted and all four of those, they, they weren't, we weren't way out. So he over conformed in some areas at, at that time, at that particular well, we council. We may have offered, uh, more money? Pro- more, no, 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 more money. <laughs> Did you offer money? Whether, I wish it was that easy. Yeah. We might like private open space. You have to have a certain amount. Of that. We might have had. We might have been excess private open space. Right. Excess uh, lands. Excess this or whatever okay. it was. But then we're a little bit under yep. here, a little bit under there, and we had a reason. Like the the rear boundary setback uh, was that that one I just mentioned there because yep. it's normally a privacy thing, but the privacy wasn't an issue because of the type of building that was over the back, and therefore they said, "Oh, that's mm. fair enough," you know. Because we, I think we went from six metres back to four and a half, which was quite a big wow, change. Wow, that is a bit. But, but privacy, which is the point of the, the whole thing, uh, wasn't an issue and we got it through. So, But, but you know, I've had knockbacks as well. I mean, I've had knock, I had one big knockback a few years ago on a fully compliant application. Uh, compliant, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that required to go to court, protracted court case, you know, it costs money and eventually you win. Yeah, we talked about that because we talked about when knowing to fight on a development a couple mm. of podcasts ago. And I suppose this does tie back to that. So at what point you choose and we decided, yeah. you know, the lawyer would give you some great advice and you'd run with that. But the, the idea is that, I mean, that example there that you're talking about, your big mm. one, that was just nepotism or something yeah. like that. There was something going on. Yeah, and well, it had nothing to do with town planning. It was, no, it was um, just quite political really yeah and one day you can write a book or do a tv show on it but oh, yeah, got time. <laughs> yeah something like that but too, too busy getting uh, uh projects approved to do yeah, that yes exactly so bob what about what has been one that has that you thought would have gone through and didn't apart from that one there even maybe with a mentoring student or something and and then what did you do to combat that well w- what you want to do is you don't want to wait till it gets knocked back right because if you wait until you have you know, until it's rejected, let's say, then there's no alternative then but mm. to go, you, know, you end up in court if you want to go that path. So really the negotiation has to happen before you get a refusal. Mm. Uh, I, I do know in, in some areas I, I know and people do this, councils can be extremely slow and even though there's certain time frames in which they have to do certain things, they just don't. What are it's they doing, Bob? Well, it's almost like they're a law under themselves. They just 
well, I'm just not going, you know, just can't do it in that time frame. And I know a couple of developers who just go straight to court. What they do is they say, well, if, if they haven't done it in, in, in the normal time frames, they just take it as a deemed refusal. They just say, well, I'll just take that as a refusal because you can't meet the time commitments. And, and then they go straight into, in, into appeal and go to court. Seriously? Yeah. Would that be? They found that they found that even that costs money. A faster process. It's it's faster, and, and they said more more economical in the long run. That's them. They're there. It's a pretty big developer, and they've got in house, you know, legal yeah. counsel and everything. And that, that's just the way they do it. They just wow. you know, go over the top of a council if they're not a council you know. But the, the average pun of the small developer, you know, it's a bit it's a bit hard to sort of make that your model. You know, you have developed in all state, well, apart from Northern Territory, and, mm. and still now with our students and personally we both are, where have you found to be the easiest, I know it's a kind of a big question because yeah, yeah. councils are different, but if you had to look at states, have you found that some states are a bit easier to get stuff done in than others? Well, it's not just a state so, thing. It can no, be a council, council thing. I can remember one mentoring student uh, quite a few years ago I was going to put an application in for a three-storey apartment block. Uh, it, was, it was in a uh, in a city in New South Wales, and he said, "Oh, the town planner told me it should be out in ten weeks." And I thought, "Wow, hang on, that's like a it's not just a, a house, you know, it's not just a duplex." And uh, I thought, "Oh, I think you find it's a bit longer than that," because I was thinking, you know, at the time where I was living, sort of thing, it takes six seven months, and. Uh, he was wrong anyway. I didn't. He couldn't. He didn't get out in ten weeks at all. He got out in eleven. <laughs> but, oh, well. but but that I thought, wow, you know, um, that's pretty quick. Uh, but that council was really on the ball. They were sharp and, and they were very, you know, they were pro development. They just processed things really well. Mm. But there's different different types of applications. You know, some require, uh, you know, public advertising mm. where it's open up for people to, you know, either say they like it or object to it, whereas some applications are more closed. Mm. You know, they, they don't open up for public advertising. It's more a, a process that's done in-house at council, you know, so they're, they're quicker by nature. And there's variables. I mean, if, if, if there's a bit of a boom going on, if there's lots of development applications getting lodged, council tend to get bogged down, they're going to be slower. Uh, and some councils, when, when they get busy, they outsource to private enterprise okay so they might have you know architects town planners engineers might work you know two days a week for council right. helping them to process applications but then some councils don't have the budget for doing that and they just slow down you know and slow down and slow down but some, some are notoriously slow and on purpose i think why would be the reason they'd be oh, i don't know what it is so. you know you can have a council that's a little bit anti-development I mean, I've, I've come across the odd council that you know you could say some are pro-development and some are more anti-development I think I think the one council I don't even go there because they're, they're just so heavy on on environmental. And not you know, I'm not anti environment by any means, but they're just like over the top. It just stops the wheels moving. Oh, if a koala scratched a tree in 1948 and the tree's still alive, you know, they you know, like you won't, you know, oh, it must be koala. You know, it's just like ridiculous. It, yeah, to the point of being ridiculous. Yeah, and and it's just just really hard work. So sort of don't go there. there there's some developers. A friend of mine actually develops there. He like spent years trying to sort it out and get on side and put up with it. But you know, he sort of lives with it now, and he he does develop. I mean, obviously things happen in that council, but it's it's not progressive. It's not real go ahead. Mm. So, Bob, what what about the fast track process? There is the fast tracking of applications. Yeah, that. That's available in in some 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 states and some councils. I mean, we've got we've got CDCs, you know, in, in New South Wales. That that's something that can fast track certain applications. 
not every application in, in, in certain areas, certain councils. So you could see that. Like even in Brisbane for many years, probably, oh gosh, 20 years, I think, uh, there, there has been uh, a thing called Risk Smart, which if, if a, the application ticks certain boxes, it can be dealt with privately. Look, councils are slow. You know, I'll say it, they're slow. But if once you bring in private enterprise, it can they can do it a lot quicker. Mm. And so I think the thing called Risk Smart in Brisbane, you know, if it, if it ticks a number of boxes, it can be dealt with under the Risk Smart system. And that's where a private town planner actually does the whole assessment, goes through it, comes up with the decision, does all the conditions. Council have the ultimate say, and that goes back to council. They might fine-tune a little bit, but but that, that can be quite quick. Mm. Yeah. Are they generally more smaller applications? Yeah, up to, up, I think up to, oh, last time I had a look, was up to 10. Uh, you, you know, you, wow, it, that's it, bigger it, than I thought it would it be. It couldn't have many issues. Like if you needed a, a flood report or certain reports, that, that negated it. You know, It yeah. has to be pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, and then you've got, you know, CDCs, which some of our mentoring students are, are doing projects with them in New South Wales. Mm. Where it's almost like a private uh, certifier does the development permit and the construction certificate, the building permit almost in, you know, in, in one foul swoop sort of thing. Uh, and and council ultimately have the final say, but that, that can be quite quick compared to the old, the old way of council doing things, you know, because as soon as you take something off council and give it to private enterprise. It speeds up. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to go a lot faster. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's about, about business functioning and they have to make money, hmm. like all businesses. Yeah, it's, the it's council commercially don't. driven. Yeah, then. exactly. And, Bob, what about pre-lodgement meetings? I mean, oh, yeah, how often do we do you find the need for a pre-lodgement? Yeah, so pre-lodgement, or sometimes called a pre-DA meeting, is, is when you, you're not quite sure how council are going to assess something. And so you have a meeting with them before you lodge your application. You, you need, you know, the basic concepts of what it is that you want to do. And you may well have your town planner and let's say your architect attend, or maybe even an engineer, depending on what the issues are. And you can set up a meeting with council. Some councils actually do it for free, but some charge you for it. Mm. And so you What can are we looking at charge-wise? Oh, they said charge could be anything up to, you know, $1,500 backwards. Um, per meeting or just in total? Yeah, for well, the you meetings. only have one meeting. Okay. And, and and some are actually free. And and so they'll give their, their view on things. They might say, oh, look, uh, we'd consider that, but we'd expect you to make, uh, you know, these changes or, or we, we flatly would refuse to allow that or, you know, and you get a bit of toing and froing from the, you know, your assessment officer, the, you know, who, whoever it is that's relative to that application. It could mm. be a land subdivision, so it's, you know, no point having an architect there. No. Uh, but, you know, depending on what it is. And and you get you get the minutes of the meeting back. You They're not locked in stone generally. Like, they, you could still do an application and they could take a totally different attitude, you know, and I've even seen that happen. So it, it's it's worth something. I, I've, I've rarely done them. I don't normally do them, uh, but... It's been in times when I wasn't quite sure how council are going to deal with something. There might be, for instance, a change in the planning scheme coming up. And I've heard that council are going to start to initiate some Tight, of those changes a- ahead early. of time. Yeah. And so I'm not quite sure. Well, you're going to deal with it under the whatever the new planning scheme is likely to be or under the current one, or is it some sort of a hybrid or, you know, how are you going to deal with it? Mm. And, and so that might be a reason, for instance, to, to go and do it. Uh, we, we were just, we've just put an offer in on a site that, if we get the offer accepted, we're going to have a pre-lodgement meeting because there's just something that the planner and engineer say, look, the council could okay that, but we're just not sure which way they might go with it. And it's pretty important. 
Uh, and so we'll, we'll do a pre-lodgement on that. Sometimes it's awesome when we do podcasts because then I find out that we're putting deals, putting an offer in a deal. I think I know the one he's talking you know about. I do know the one, but I didn't know we'd got to there. So luckily we do podcasts, Bob. Oh, that's good mm. to know. We're putting an offer in. Yay. Well, that's exciting stuff. Okay, so that would be – so for that reason, you'll go to a pre-lodgement and, yeah, okay. So uh, the, the reason I ask is because I do know one of our mentoring students, he went through the process, he's doing a 13-lot subdivision, yep. and that – he went to pre-lodgement with that, and that worked in his favour? Well – And I know he's listening. He a, listens to, on two-speed. Hello, Kyle. To, to, <laughs> to a degree, yeah. I mean, there's a few things that popped up there. There was some – Issues with the civil engineer as well, you know, um, and timing. You know, timing wasn't great into COVID, but still, yeah, he had, yeah, he's had, he's had his fair share of delays, but he's had some great wins as well. For sure. He just picked up an extra lot. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that was great news. But that he experienced the pre-lodgement meeting and went through that process. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I recall all that. Yeah, I do remember the stories. Mm. Well, Bob, I think if we were to summarise the how not to get your DA your, uh, refused. <laughs> if you were to summarise in, in three bullet points, what would it Choose be? Choose a really good town planner, experienced yep. and particularly with that council. Try and conform as much as possible or if you're not going to conform, if you're looking for a few relaxations, make sure that the, you have a very strong chance of getting them. And, you know, there is the chance to negotiate through the process and, you know, be prepared that uh, you may have to make a few amendments on the way through. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's back to having the right team again, really. And look, some you know, some councils are slower than others. Some are a little bit uh, less helpful development-wise, and maybe you know make your own inquiries as to where they are before you choose your patch. Mm. And probably get educated. So just on that one, another plug for us, as this is our podcast. <laughs> and it's a darn good thing to do. Too. Yeah, and it's a very good thing to do. We do have our three-day workshop coming up on the 3rd, 4th and 5th of November on the Gold Coast. So if you would like to come along yeah, to that. Looking it, forward to that. It is a phenomenal event and I suggest you come along. But reach out, we'll put a link below if you'd yep. like to have a chat or you could just go straight on and buy yourself a ticket. If you buy it as part of the bundle, you can bring a partner for free, which means you can bring yourself, your actual business partner or you could bring your life partner if they're into property development or you want them to be. So that's coming up November 3, 4, 5. Come along to that. Yes, so that was your answer to it all really. Mm. Get educated. Yep. And then and of we'll course- We'll be covering development applications and Every other thing. Yeah, they're very detailed, uh, our workshops. Uh, after what, what number of workshops is this one for you, Bob? Oh, I think it's 78. Number, what about that? 78 Seven, workshops, three-day workshops. 78 three-day workshops. Yeah, the man could actually do it, you know, on his head with marbles in his mouth. But anyway, <laughs> it's a great fun right. event. We hang out the whole time mm. and uh, it's well catered. Great community to be a part of too. Very it helpful. Is. Yes, and that's about it. I think we can wrap up there. So thanks, right. everybody. We will catch up with you again next week. Bye for now. Bye now.